Okay, we're talking about growing today. So how have you grown last year? Weight-wise? Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that my, my physical weight uh, has remained the same for many years now. Except that when you grow older, it sort of redistributes. It redistributes around this part, uh, the middle part. When, when Actually, my wish is that it will grow this part and this part, you know, your pecs and your biceps. And, and you all know this uh, sign, right? Hazardous waste. Hazardous waste, not a good thing to have. And, and my upbringing since very young is such that I cannot let food go to waste. If there's something left on the table, I have to eat it. And so it ends up in my waist. You see? Waste to waste. And it's a hazard. Hence, and hence, it's hazardous, hazardous waste. So you get it? But seriously, PPH, um, are we growing? Are we growing disciples? Are we fulfilling the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 about making disciples, baptizing disciples, and teaching disciples? This is our average overall church attendance covering uh, the English service, CA is for Chinese service, the youth ministry, TLG is Telugu, and the long line, of course, is, is total. And you can see that we've had some growth, not a whole lot. Uh, if you look at the total line, over the last five years, we've grown at a compounded rate of only 3.2%. 3.2% compounded. Today in the service, I reckon we have 90 to 100, maybe 110. And can you imagine if PPH had an average attendance of 1,000? 1,000. We don't have to imagine because we had it. We had it on Christmas Day in Tebang Gardens, right? There was about 1,000 people there. And, and as pastor, I said, hey, I can get used to that, man. I can get used to preaching the 1,000 people every Sunday. Okay, it wasn't quite a church as it was rather noisy and people were not so attentive. So last week among the staff, we had a review of Christmas at Teban Gardens on, a, on Christmas Day. And, and I was very saddened to be told, and at first I couldn't believe it, to be told that it was the PPH members who, the, who were the ones talking among themselves and being totally inattentive um, in Teban Gardens. But as ever optimist, I say, well, if it is PPH members, then good. I can do something about it, right? I can make an announcement now, today, on the 3rd of January, so that on the 25th of December this year, okay, we'll be attentive. And I can do some more. I can set up bounces in Teban Gardens, uh, 25th December this year. I'll have all the elders go around. Shh, 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 shh. Okay? We can do something like that. But the point was, the point is, that we maxed out the capacity of the ground that was available to us in that hard court between Block 44 and the, the market, we, we filled the whole place with chairs and there were about a thousand chairs. There was no waste. No waste. And that's the way I was brought up. No waste. And to apply the same no waste principle to this building, we ought to be doing at least three services of 300 attendees uh, every Sunday. And then include another 300 for the youth service on Saturdays. And to do that, we need to bring people. We need to bring people to Christ. 
and we need to bring people to church, we need to make disciples. How have we done in that? Number of people we have prayed with to receive Christ, okay, earlier than 2014, we did not really uh, record the numbers. So 25 in 2014, 38 in 2015, some growth. I have to say that of the 38 we pray with to receive Christ, some would recant immediately. The next day, if you call them, huh? God man? Some, some of them would have said, not, they're not clear what they were doing. And some will backslide through the years, but there are some fruit that remains, and that is good. What about baptism figures? Okay, this one goes uh, way back because we have records going uh, a long way back. And you can see sort of like a stock market that goes up, it comes down. Uh, but except that in recent years, at least from 2012, you can see that the trend is, uh, is coming down. So we need to go back to fundamentals. What are we here for and what is our purpose? And we've been talking about this for years. We are here to magnify God and that is to glorify God. Yes, but how do we glorify God? We glorify God through the five M's. And we can evaluate that. We can evaluate our commitment to the church family in membership. We can evaluate our maturity, our growth in Christ-likeness. We can evaluate our service to others over the last year, and we can evaluate, as I have done, on reaching the lost in mission. We can evaluate that individually as a person, as one disciple. We can evaluate that as a small group, a cell group, and we can evaluate as a whole church. Are we growing disciples, as in making, baptizing, teaching disciples? And it's a very good question that we must answer. Are we growing disciples? A better question to ask is this, are we growing disciples? These are the same words, but it's, got diff- it's a different question. And I believe this is a more important question. Are we growing as disciples of Jesus Christ? In other words, have we grown in Christian maturity through the years? And unless we are spiritually mature, we cannot grow in membership, in commitment to the church family. We cannot grow in uh, a ministry in service to others, and we certainly cannot reach out to others with the good news of Jesus Christ. So how do we know that we have grown as disciples, that we have grown in Christ-likeness? Now, for, for several years, we have used these verses as, as a tool. Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 5 to 8. Let me read that quickly. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These needs to be in increasing measure. And so we have developed a tool that we use for, for each of these qualities, a set of questions. I, I've set out a few in the foyer behind. You can, you can take it. Not so very many left, but you can download this from the internet or I can, I can email to you. A set of questions will help us to reflect on Christian maturity on our life, maybe through the, the year or through the past many years. Evaluate our spiritual growth. And there are eight qualities here, basically fruit of the Spirit, that needs to be in increasing measure. So there is a measure of growth, as you see on a chart here. I know it's sometimes difficult to, 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 
to do this evaluation as an absolute measure. You know, if my goodness was five last year, is it eight this year or, or, or what? You know, is it upon a ten or upon five? But it's often way easier to do a relative measure, a comparative measure to say, is it increased or is it the same or is it decreased? And it's even better if you get someone close to you to evaluate you. For those of us with uh, husbands or wives or spouses, ask your spouse to give you an honest evaluation. Have you grown in faith? Have you grown in self-control? Do you still kick the dog so much as you did the previous year? Something like that. You also see a column here for the means of growth. Now, these are very basic. These are the basic spiritual disciplines like reading the Word, study the Bible, prayer, and, and, and to work it out in a cell group, in a small group, uh, to have a mentor uh, who you can be accountable to or that you would mentor someone, to teach someone, to make a disciple of someone. And how regular or how um, good is our word intake. And these means of growth, there's a lot of doing, do this, do that, do pray, do read the Bible, do mentor someone. But all this doing does not produce spiritual growth in us personally and also not corporately in the church unless there is dying. So there is this doing by dying. For a Christian, we do by dying. And I'm glad there is silence. And none of you say, joy. In the beginning of the year, you talk about... For those of you who don't understand, joy is like touch wood, you know. People say touch wood like that. For those of you who don't understand what is touch wood, then I can't help you. What do I mean? Doing by dying. John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. And Jesus taught this same paradoxical principle with, with slight variations in all four Gospels. And you know that much of Christian life is a paradox. For example, we are told to fix our eyes on unseen things. A paradox that if you want to find rest, you take my yoke, Jesus' yoke, uh, upon you. A paradox. And we become great by becoming a servant. By becoming the least of servants. And we are exalted by being humble. That our perfect, our power is made perfect in weakness. All paradoxes. But the most difficult one for all of us, I believe, would be this, that we live by dying, what we read earlier in John chapter 12. So let's take a closer look at this Christian business of dying. It's a constant theme throughout the Bible. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then again, chapter 5, verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, have killed the flesh with his passions and desires. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's about dying. 
So what in me must die? What in me must be crucified that I might grow? That I might grow as a disciple, as a father, as a husband, yes, and, and as a pastor. And what in us, as a church, as a cell group, a smaller group, must die, must be crucified in order for us to grow, to be more fruitful. And so, paradox number one is that you grow by dying. John 12, 24, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And there is in our flesh, in our nature, this, this propensity, this bent towards selfishness, towards self-centeredness, to be even idolatrous, and that is the worship of self. In other words, to, to sin. And we need to die to this sin of self and surrender totally to God that, it might, that we might truly live. And so we bury, we crucify, we kill our personal desires and selfish ambitions. And some would say that the opposite of selfishness is selflessness. Not quite. It's not so much less of self, but dying to self. So the opposite of selfishness is self-deadness. We die to self, we live for God. You know, on Christmas night in Teban Gardens, as I was walking with the MP when she finished distributing all the children's presents, uh, this old lady appeared in front and said, hey, where do find food, huh? So I said, uh, what I'll bring you there. And as I was walking with her, she was complaining all the way. You know, wow, during your service, uh, stand so long, no water, your food so far away, and I don't know where to go. And then myself really came out. Myself was thinking, thinking only, yeah. I said, hey, lady, I'm the speaker, leh. you know. And, and, and I felt like crucifying her. I said, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, even though I once was ungrateful and complaining. He gave himself for me, even though I once was ungrateful and complaining. And so I will love this lady, even though she's ungrateful and complaining, and I'll give myself for her, even though she's ungrateful and complaining. And so I died that night. I died a little that night. But then I think I grew a little bit as a result of that dying. You know, there is this very popular uh, Christian, so-called Christian book, and the title is Your Best Life Now. Your Best Life Now. I haven't read it, but I've read reviews about it, and it basically teaches us that uh, the, the best life is now, and, and it's basically a health and wealth gospel. You know, your best life now sounds like a really good slogan, but I think the better one is from ACS, right? The best is yet to be. The best is yet to be for a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not about living your best life now, but it's about dying a good death now. So that our life will produce many seeds. So that we would be not ineffective, not unproductive, but fruitful in God's eyes. And then we will live the best life ever in the hereafter with Jesus in the afterlife. Paradox number one, you grow by dying. As Christ died for me, so I will die to self and I will live for Him. Paradox number two, you save your life by spending it. John 12, 25, the man who loses his life, who loves his life rather, will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world 
will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. So you love life, lose it. You hate life, you keep it for eternal life. And so, if you want to save your life, you've got to spend it. How do we spend our lives? We spend our life in service of God's agenda. And He will honour the one who spends his life in service of his agenda. There, is, there are these verses in Isaiah chapter 58 from verse 10. Let me read to you. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and it will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fill. If you spend it, God will water it and you will... There's this continuously flowing stream of water that will never fill you. And here in PPH, we have no lack of opportunities to go on a spending spree. There are so many needs uh, around us. There are so many needs in Teban Gardens. Recently, Ross was asking me, you know, do you think we should do this thing? And she says, oh... um, I think some social service agencies say, oh, can, you, can your organization get people to bring old people to hospital for their routine checkups and, and all that? And in my heart, I was thinking, oh, yeah, not another one. Uh, you know? and, and it's not even for Teban Gardens residents. It's from all over, you know, Queenstown and all that. So I'm still thinking about it. I haven't quite died to my flesh yet to say, yes, let's jump. 60% of our study club students pay no fees. They apply for financial waiver. And as we look at the financial situation, yeah, we say you cannot pay fees. Right? And so we take them in. And of course, on Christmas Day, I was so glad to see so many of you spending, man. Spending your precious Christmas evening serving the community last week. And so we need to go on a spending spree, not in the malls, but in our schools, in our offices, among our friends. It's not easy to do that. To do that, we need to fall to the ground and die. We need to get on the ground. Now, I have many friends who are my age who are already retired. There's only people like me who still work. And they are rich. They are rich in money. They are rich in time. And when we get uh, talking and sometimes I join them for dinner, I find that they cannot fall to the ground. You know, they will pontificate about poverty and the sad state of affairs in, in Singapore, but from 30,000 feet, looking down. Oh, this is oh, that's not good. But they cannot get to the ground. Their hands cannot be dirtied. And as disciples of Jesus, we need to die to self, fall to the ground, and walk from that ground. And then produce many seeds. It's Saving by spending really such a paradox. It's only apparent. It's, it's not. You know, Jim Elliot uh, said this, He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliot was this fa- famous missionary. He went to this tribe in um, the southern part of uh, Americas and then he was martyred at a very young age. But from that one so-called wasted life, he was only in his 20s, got speared to death, out of that death, out of that life, grew many, many seeds. And I know that many missionaries and many Christians are motivated 
by this one short, wasted life. You know, there's a very popular saying going around these days, a uh, popular teaching rather, and people call it hypergrace. It teaches the idea, and they use these words, effortless Christianity. Effortless Christianity. Just, just enjoy the hypergrace of Jesus and, and worship and, and sing and take plenty of Holy Communion. No need to do anything. It's, it's, it's grace, man. It's grace from Jesus. The Bible doesn't teach an effortless Christianity. The Bible teaches make every effort. And if you search the NIV, there are at least eight verses that talk about make every effort. Make every effort. Have you heard of this term, push walker? Uh, you only walk when you're pushed. You know, you're pushed, you're walk. Otherwise, you don't walk. And there is this song. I, I'm, I'm trying to find this song. I just remember a few lyrics. It said, my girl's a push walker. Uh, I always try my best to keep her in style. It must be some kind of scout campfire song. I, I googled and I couldn't find it. We are not push walkers. We are pull walkers. We are pulled by the grace of Jesus. And the grace of Jesus is always hyper grace. It's by definition. Grace is always hyper. It's more than we can ask for, more than we can imagine. And from, from this grace, this hyper grace of Jesus, we get passion. How do you define passion? Die, die must do. That's the best definition of passion. Die, die must do. And it must get into the Oxford Dictionary. Because how do you, you know, it's so concise. Die, die must do. And the outworking of this grace is make every effort. But thank God that the Bible and God doesn't tell us that you make every self-effort. It is not self-effort. It is a Christ-in-me effort. It is a Holy Spirit-in-me effort. There is this yoke of working, yes, but God is together with us, that this yoke is like because He is side by side with us, carrying it with us, making every Holy Spirit-in-me effort. You know the phrase, the passion of Christ, right? You've seen the movie, uh, the very gory movie, the passion of the Christ. The word passion comes from some Latin root word, and the passion of Christ basically refers to the suffering and the death of Christ. And it's the same when you have a passion for something. Die, die, must play golf Saturday morning, right? Die, die, got to do this. It's, it's passion. And so here are a few things that we want to do this year. And I hope that for each one of us, it's die, die, must do. Okay? Next week, next week, die, die, must come to church three times. Okay? Tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Friday night. Now, I know, I know that it's, it's so difficult, right? I mean, this is the beginning of the year. I'm sure you've got lots of work piling up for you after the Christmas holidays. And then, you want to ask me to come 8pm to church? 8pm, I, I haven't even had dinner yet. And I know, especially for those of you who do, don't drive, then that, that journey might be an hour coming from office uh, to work and Dai Dai must come? Yes. Dai Dai must come three times a week this week so that we begin the year with a season of prayer. We begin the year as we dedicate our lives and the grace that we have received to God so that it can, that grace can work itself out in our lives. 
So I got photographic memory again. I'm going to see all of you here tomorrow night. Well, this year also we intend to pay a lot more attention to our cell groups. And I'm so glad that Kevin has stepped forward, Kevin Lim, uh, who's going to be overall in charge of our, our cell group, so-called system. We want our cell group to, to grow and to thrive. In order to do that, the cell group members must die. Okay? Die, die, join one. Okay? Anyone not in cell group? Die, please. Please join one. And join one to die to self and to serve one another in a cell group. No, don't think of cell group as like, what's in it for me? Ah? Oh, this cell group got better food. That cell group don't have so good food. Don't, don't think like that. You know? This one has got better teaching. That one has not. Just, just join one and you contribute. You know, it's very easy to have... I, I've seen this church slogan. I think it's, it's written in books. It's like, love God, love people, love the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's correct and it's very good, but I think it's ultimately useless. It's like, I love the world. If you say you love the world, you love nobody. Can you say that I love that six or that ten members in my cell group, even though uh, time and again they offend me, time and again they rub me the wrong way? That is love. That is love. That is real flesh and blood, a a guy, a girl before you, and not just some airy-fairy love the world. We also want to foster some kind of um, intergenerational mentoring. And that's why we have, you know, the top line, uh, uh, what we call section pastors. We don't really, can't find a better name, okay? They are pastoring a section of cell groups. Uh, and then below are the various cell groups. The one in light green are the young adult cell groups, okay? Chiming, Pastor Chiming continues to, to pastor over this group. But we want to try and, and foster some kind of intergenerational connection because part of growing, part of making disciples is is mentoring. Uh, Allowing somebody to mentor you and you mentoring someone. And so we hope that within the section we can forge this um, interaction. And we're just telling the section pastors, okay, you just makana, bring all your cell group leaders together, meet once a month and just eat eat until you feel like cannot anymore. You've got to do something. You know, got to do something. Our bonding is so good. Uh, our relationship is already forged. And now let's do something with ourselves. Let's motivate them unto love and, and good deeds. And so we, we, we're trying. We're trying to do this. This year, we, up to now at least, we are planning for two uh, church-wide sermon series and cell group to study along. And so please, may I ask all cell group leaders, uh, die, die, must follow. I think uh, in this congregation, it's, it's quite all right. Huh? Most of you listen very obediently to Chimeng. Chimeng says, die means die. <laughs> Chimeng says, okay, let's do this uh, Bible study together. We'll, we'll do. But, and, and the first one is, is Simplify, and it comes from one of my favorite authors, uh, Bill Hybels, uh, from Willow Creek Church in America, where we really want to unclutter our souls. It's like we live such harried, hurried lives that are just filled with activities that we mistake for, for, for achievement and filled with all kinds of projects that we mistake for, for progress. And how do we help you to die, to, to simplify our lives? You know what they say about dead people, right? Dead people, they don't get offended. You know, they don't get jealous over petty things. Dead people only face one direction. Up. 
And that's a good direction to face, right? Looking upwards. So simplify uh, our lives. The second one is called the invisible war. And I'm ashamed to admit to you that time and again, I find myself like being so secular, you know, in the sense that, that I don't feel like I'm living in a spiritual world. And that's coming from a pastor, you know. Even as I prepare sermons, sometimes it's like preparing a lecture. That we forget that we live in a spiritual world of spiritual opposition, spiritual forces, the principalities and powers of this world, and spiritual darkness. And so we want to use this series to, to, to reorientate uh, once again Ephesians 6, the spiritual world that we live in, and putting on the armor of God. Tuesday Bible study is what we will do this year. Um, you, you remember last year we had Sheng Chuan lead us in, I don't know, six or eight sessions. Uh, and, and he gave us a, such a great overview of the Bible as one story. So we want to tackle the book of Romans. Uh, in some sense, Romans is the New Testament in one book, uh, one story. And I, I've been looking around, you know, in-house resources and everywhere, and I contacted this uh, deep uh, SBC lecturer. I said, Can you, I saw that you were teaching Romans in St. Andrew's Cathedral. Uh, can you come and take six sessions with us since early last year? And he says, no, I'm just too busy. But he recommended somebody. He re- recommended this guy, Professor Andrew Spurgeon. Uh, so I checked, I thought, oh, is he the descendant of the great Charles Spurgeon? He's not. He's from India. <laughs> Or maybe he is, I don't know. Um, but super qualified, okay? He's got his PhD from Dallas Theological Seminary, and he wrote a commentary on Romans. So I contacted him, and he says, yeah, he, he, he's glad to help. Six sessions, starting from the 1st of March for six Tuesday. And so I told him, you know, never heard this guy before. I'm really taking a risk, right? So I told him, okay, um, the objective of this, of course, is building Christ-like maturity. And if you take um, a Bible school lecture here and a normal Sunday sermon here, I want you to be like 25% on, on this scale. You know, plenty of illustrations and applications. Now, please don't make it this just a pure Bible school lecture. You say, yeah, I understand what you mean. I'm going to do this way. Okay, so I encourage you to join us on the 1st of March for 6th Tuesday. Dai-dai must come, okay? Dai-dai must come. Church camp. Uh, every two years we have a church camp, so this year we have a church camp in June. And, you know, if you're willing to... You know, people who go for conferences and people who go for camps almost always come back very blessed. You know, some people call it conferenceitis or some kind of a disease. It's not. I think if you're willing to spend four full days listening to five sermons in four days... God's got to do something in your life. And, and that's how it works, right? So you make the commitment that four days you go to Batam with us and come under the teaching of His words, five sermons in four days, interact with people, uh, workshops and discussions and all that. You're going to get something wonderful. So Benny Ho, Pastor Benny Ho is our camp speaker. And, and so, die, die must come, right? Please start booking your leave and all that. And we're going to uh, Batam this year, because I know that all of you are sick of shopping in Malacca, so we're going to go to Batam, no shopping. Um, and one of the sessions, one of the five sessions, we will conduct it in the Batam Bible School, IBC. 
And looking at the Batam Bible School, I'm, I'm really glad that it's off the ground. You know, the Batam Bible School has a dormitory capacity for 64 students. Currently, we only have 32. So we've got 32 more to go. And, uh, but we do have 10 students living outside, so there are 42 students. But we need to double up the number of students living in a dormitory. Why? No waste. <laughs> no ways. We, got, we can accommodate 64 students. We've got to have 64 students. And the, the course is four years. So 64 divided by four is 16. So at steady state, we're going to be graduating 16 church planters a year. That's amazing. Sending out 16 missionaries uh, a year from this very small uh, Bible school. So that's, that's my dream. And CSC. I think I mentioned to you that we're hoping to get approval for another centre. It's probably going to be Block 50, uh, further west of where we are. And I hope with another centre, we would like double or, or at least increase our influence um, and witness in that community. You know, when I posted pictures of uh, our Christmas in Tepan Gardens on my Facebook, a pastor friend of mine congratulated, oh, well done. And then he added these words. He said, I quote, seize the opportunity while we can still do this. And it's very true. Because I have other pastor friends, uh, one particularly uh, who is in Chinatown, he says, I want to do this, I can't. I get no support and I don't get approval. And this friend who wrote to me, seize the, the opportunity while we can still do this, he's, he says he wants to try doing something in the East and uh, he's going to get his MP in, involved and all that. So, this new centre, okay, we have vague ideas of what we want to do with it. Uh, is it just doubling for doubling's sake? I would say yes, man. <laughs> Double it first. Okay, die, die, must do. Seize the opportunity while there is favour. Let's do that. Okay. So, I begin my 16th year as pastor here. And I, and I hope that at least, if not in the last year, maybe over the past 16 years, you would have seen some growth, some growth um, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, and, and I hope you've seen some growth in, in PPH making disciples. Okay, numbers-wise, not, not great over the last uh, five years, 3.2% uh, compounded, 3.2%. Uh, I really feel that as I grow older, this, this old engine is not so efficient anymore. I run slower. In fact, I hardly run. I, <laughs> I think slower. My memory recall is slower, and sometimes my memory recall is non-existent. 15 years and three days as pastor is more than I, I imagined. In fact, I had imagined my time would only be about 10 years as pastor of this church. Or I had imagined that, wow, when, once this church is fully utilized, uh, as in about 1,000 attendants, uh, or at least three services times 300, uh, then I think my time would be up. Okay? The next pastor can build a new church because so many people are coming. I also imagine that my time will be up when at least two important, uh, projects which are important to me uh, are completed. You know, the IBC campus, uh, but completed in the sense that there is no waste. Uh, okay? So we need to fill it with another 32 students. Or when CSC is doubled, then, okay, uh, my time is up. Uh, you can see that I imagine a lot. Okay? But one more, one more. I imagine my time will be up when I finally go full-time as a grandfather. Okay, there. Oh, oh <laughs> I finished. 
You can see that none of this has happened yet. None has happened yet. And, and so, for this to happen, we've got to keep growing. We've got to keep growing as a disciple of Jesus, and we've got to keep growing disciples to make, to baptize, to teach. And we need to keep growing by dying and by spending. But just to be clear, even as we die to self and even as we spend our lives, it is not us to give the growth, right? It's God who gives the growth. You know that in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, verse 6, Paul planted the seeds, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So we seek growth, and growth comes from the Lord. We die, we spend. But growth comes from the Lord. And, what, and I want all of us, and I myself, I want to be this growing disciple, growing disciples. One more thing I want. One more thing I want, and, and that is to be able to punch above our weight. Punching above your weight. And I want PPH to continue punching above our weight. You know, others have said of this church, that, wow, you, you for a small church, uh, you are punching above your weight in foreign missions, in community work. And, and, and lately, uh, others have said, uh, you're punching above your weight in the foreign workers' ministry because we've got a Bangladeshi pastor, we've got a Telugu pastor, we have a service here and lots of baptisms in this service. And, but as I was just making sure that I got this term right and I was Googling and checking, you know there's another definition to this, this phrase, punching above your weight? And it says this, I quote, it is being in a relationship with someone more attractive than you. Do you know that? I didn't know that. So there is even this TV program where you get this ugly guy dating or marrying this beautiful girl. And that's called punching above your weight. Hey, story of my life, man. Story of my life. <laughs> uh, you look at any family photo, you know that I'm punching above my weight. But there is a theology behind this. A theology of punching above your weight. You know the Hebrew word for glory, the glory of God is kabad. And it's got this idea of heaviness, of weight. The glory of God is weighty, it's heavy. And so when I punch above my weight, it is with the glory of God. That, there's weight behind my punch. And in our relationship, it is God who's the attractive one. So if you're worried about, oh, how am I going to die to self? How am I going to spend my life? And, and I'm so weak and, and I've got no resources. Don't worry about that. Okay, you're dating, you're, you're in a relationship with this guy who's really attractive and powerful. And that's God Almighty the glory of God with you. You know, the saddest thing is, um, is hazardous waste. Uh, if you think over the last year or maybe the length of your life, it's like, wow, wasted time, wasted life. That is the saddest thing. So if you think back last year, just count the number of hours you spent playing computer games or Candy Crush or or stalking people on Instagram. How many hours is that? Uh? Isn't that quite a waste, right? Quite a waste. If you total it up, it's quite something, you know. Um, lately, my, my son passed me some videos of... Uh, uh, don't, don't talk about that. <laughs> many hours, I can tell you. Many hours. But dying is not waste. Dying to self is not waste. Spending of yourself in service... It's not waste. And I hope that our little church will continue to punch above its weight. Okay, I don't hope that we will continue to be this little church. 
of about 400 adults. Okay? I hope to see some growth. But the punching part, yes, always, always, punching above our, waist, uh, our, our weight because we've got God with us. So if you're going to be seeing numerical growth in PPH, we're going to be seeing Christian character growth in each one of us, then we need to see some dying in PPH. And dying doesn't come easy. You know what they say about dying, right? Talk about old accountants never die. Why? They just lose their figure. I got a few more, okay? <laughs> old doctors never die. They just lose their patience as in fruit of the Spirit. And old lawyers never die. They just lose their appeal. The best one is this, okay? This is the grand finale. All musicians never die. They just decompose. <laughs> oh, really gross, right? But what about all Christians? What about all Christians? What about all Christians? All Christians must die. We always die in order to grow. And we must always spend in order to save. And so, as an older brother in Christ, and I dare say in here, maybe I am indeed the oldest, my final exhortation to you on this first Sunday of the year, go and die. <laughs> oh, I love never got a chance to say this. Go and die, go and die. And go on a spending spree. Go on a spending spree. Just spend, spend your life. Okay, let's quieten down. Let me invite the musicians to, to come and let's do that song, um, Oh God, You're Beautiful. Let's pause for a moment of uh, prayer. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honour the one who serves me. stand as we sing this together. Your face is all I 
Seat. At the same time, I'd like to open up the altar. As I ask you to, to consider two things. In this year, what are the things that you must crucify? What are the things that you want to die to? Things that are of no eternal purpose or, or meaning. It's really a waste. Waste. Crucify that. Bring it before the Lord at the altar and surrender it to the Lord. Even good things, but not the best for you. Things to die to. And secondly, how do we go on a spending spree? What are we going to spend our lives on this year that has got eternal meaning, that is of value? Some of us may already have made commitments towards the end of last year to do this and to do that. That is great. Bring that before the Lord as well. Ask Him to help us. Some of us are considering. Some of us have no clue. But you want to. And I think God honors that. And so that too, I want you just bring it before the Lord. Lord, I am willing, I am available, but I have no clue as yet. Surely the Lord will reveal to you. He will honor your commitment and your desire to serve. And this morning I prayed for several like that. No, no idea, but Lord, I want to spend my life for you. So as you consider that, come to the altar, seal it with God. Pray with someone, have someone pray with you. Speak in the year well. Things to die to, how to spend them.